G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 25 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at the struggle of being a people pleaser. It's hard when you want everyone around you to be happy. If you're someone who feels the need to keep people happy, you know what I'm talking about. Keeping the peace is a never-ending battle, and there's always someone who you think is unhappy with you in some way. Am I right? Today we're looking at how pleasing people is actually something that can cause us a great deal of harm and leave us miserable. That doesn't, need, that doesn't mean that you need to put aside that part of yourself and not try to please anyone. But it does mean you may need to change your focus, change who you're trying to please. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find those over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 25 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week in episode 24 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we looked at a dangerous sin, perhaps one of the most dangerous sins, pride. When pride gets into our life, it tells us that we're good enough. We don't need to change. We don't need to work on getting rid of sin. We can just keep living as we are. God won't mind. It leads us to believe that we're better than others. But God hates pride, and he actively opposes it. Instead, God loves humility, and unless we serve him with humility, we can be doing all the right things, going to church, giving to the poor, reading our Bibles, and still disgust God. Isaiah chapter 66. So instead, we should seek to be humble, to approach God's word with fear and trembling and a desire to change our lives to suit his word, not change it to suit our lives. This week, we're looking at the desire many of us have to be liked by others. And our passage today is Acts chapter 14 from the NIV. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. 
He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia they they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So last week we saw Paul and Barnabas run out of Pisidia, Antioch. This week, we see them in Iconium. As was their practice, they first went to the Jews at the synagogue and spoke to them. Amazingly, a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Once again, it's good news for them as they first arrive. But then, like in Antioch, the Jews who refused to believe started stirring up trouble and poisoning people against Paul and Barnabas, to the point that a plot was hatched to stone them. At that, Paul and Barnabas fled. They left the region and went to Lystra and Derby. The people there are vastly different. Instead of a cultured, civilized city, this is a rougher place. When Paul and Barnabas speak there, some listen. One, a man who was lame, listened and believed. When Paul noticed him, he told the man to stand, and up he jumped. But this incredible miracle had the opposite effect that was intended. It was intended to point people to God's power so they'd give him glory and put their faith in Jesus. Instead, they ran around shouting that Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Hermes. 
Then the priest of Zeus grabbed some bulls and brought them to the city gate to sacrifice to Barnabas and Paul. Poor Paul and Barnabas. At first, they couldn't understand what was happening. They each spoke a few languages, but the native Lyconian language was probably not on the list, which is why Luke actually listed what they were speaking to show that there was confusion there with Paul and Barnabas. Perhaps at first Paul and Barnabas think the crowd is excited for Jesus. But finally, they work out that it's not God these people are trying to sacrifice to. It's them. It's Paul and Barnabas. At this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, frantically trying to convince the people that it's not them they should honor. It's God. Finally, they convince the crowd not to sacrifice to them. But the situation gets worse. Because Jews from Antioch and Iconium had followed Paul and Barnabas, and they won the crowd over. And so the crowd, who had just been worshipping Paul, stoned him. Paul certainly suffered as Jesus had. When Jesus headed to Jerusalem at the Passover, the people had flocked to the streets, lining it with palm branches as Jesus had entered, riding on the colt of a donkey. Days later, those same people screamed for his blood. Crowds are scary, man. What stands out here is just how dangerous it is to desire to win the affections of a crowd or to seek to win the approval of humans. We can do so. We can work on having crowds looking up to us and singing our praises. But it takes nothing at all for those same people who once loved us to be screaming for our blood. When we seek the praise of people, we put our trust in people who at a moment's notice will turn on us. Yet so many of us want to be liked by others. We want to be popular at school, at work, college, amongst our friends, in our community. We so often desire the approval of others. But the problem with seeking to be liked by others is that when people don't like us, it destroys us. We're devastated to find out people dislike us, mock us, spread rumors about us, gossip about us. What happens when we seek to be liked by others is that we put our happiness in the hands of fickle people. People who in a moment's notice will turn on us. People who constantly change their minds. One moment they think this, the next that. And you might say, but all my friends are different. Everyone really respects me. And I'll ask you this. How many people have you gone from liking in your life to disliking? How many people have we pretended to like to be nice? But deep down, we don't really want to have anything to do with them. And eventually we lose patience with them and try to avoid them. We gossip about them. We laugh at them behind their backs. I'm ashamed to admit it, but I've done that to people in my life. To those people, it once looked like I liked them. But then suddenly something changed. And they probably have no idea what. If we do that to people, you can be sure that people do that to us. There are probably people in your life who tolerate you, 
but don't really like you. One day their patience will run out and you'll be left wondering what on earth changed, perhaps even wondering what you did wrong. People are fickle. We are fickle. And so when our happiness relies on how much the people around us like us, we will in the end be unhappy, miserable people. And what's worse, to be liked by lots of people often requires us to compromise on our values as followers of Jesus. The world hates Jesus. It will hate those who follow in his footsteps. If we want to be liked by people, we have to stop being Christ-like in everything we do. At times, some of the people whose approval we seek might want us to lie for them, to cheat for them, to sin for them. If we don't do what they want, they'll stop liking us. Seeking the approval of people will always end badly for us. However, there is someone else whose approval we can seek. Someone who will never let us down, who will never decide to stop liking us. God. If we seek God's approval, we will never have to worry about being rejected. John chapter 6 verse 37 to 40 in the World English Bible. This is Jesus speaking. All those whom the Father gives me will come to me. He who comes to me I will in no way throw out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of my Father who sent me, that of all he has given to me I should lose nothing, but should raise him up on the, at the last day. This is the will of the one who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. All of those whom the Father gives to Jesus will go to him, and whoever goes to him, he will never drive away. If you're seeking God, if you're seeking Jesus, it means God has called you. He's given you to Jesus. Doesn't matter who you are, your race, gender, age, or even your sin. If you make the choice to follow Jesus, he will never drive you away. How awesome is that promise? We can reject God, but he will never drive us away. He will never be like the fickle person who one minute sings our praises, the next hates us. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through to 13 in the World English Bible. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't deny himself. If we deny him, he will deny us. But if we're faithless, if we make mistakes, sin, he remains faithful. When we seek God's approval, we seek the approval of an unchangeable God. Even when we sin, when we make mistakes, even massive mistakes, he still loves us. Read through the Bible and look at any of the people Hebrews 11 calls people of great faith, and you'll see a list of people who sinned and made countless mistakes. People whom God loved dearly. People like us, 
Not mystical people with some superpower for being pure and righteous, but sinful, fallen people who struggled with pride, lust, sexual immorality, selfishness, envy, hatred, even murder. But the one thing they all had in common? They sought God's approval, and God approved. When they sinned, they repented and turned back to God, asking for forgiveness, and he forgave them. There was no, that's it, you've made one too many mistakes, it's over now, get out of my sight. And that's a good thing, because if there were a limit to how many times we could sin in life and still be forgiven, I'd have passed that number years ago. Some people might hear that God constantly forgives and say, well, I can just do whatever I want and just ask God for forgiveness after, right? He'll always forgive me, so why should I seek to do what God wants? Better to ask forgiveness and permission after all. But that's so backward. If we want God's approval, why purposefully disobey him? If we want the approval of people in our life, do we purposefully ignore what they want and do the exact opposite? No. Generally, we try to do what they want. And if it's something we know they won't like, we hide it from them. We hide it from them so we can pretend to do what they want so they will like us. The thing is, though, We can't do that with God. We can't pretend to follow him but disobey him in secret because he sees everything. There is nothing hidden from him. Not a single secret buried deep in our hearts is hidden from him. And so if we want God's approval, we should be seeking to make sure even our thoughts honor him. But what is the point of seeking God's approval? When we seek the approval of those around us, they say nice things about us. They do things for us. They're nice to us. We feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside when we know someone likes us and is happy with us. It can be hard to seek God's approval, though, because so often the exact opposite happens. We get disliked by people because they don't like us standing up for our convictions. We get angry looks because they're sick of us talking about the incredible things Jesus did. We get excluded from events because we're too stuffy and no fun to be around. People feel guilty because our standards are different, even if we never once condemned them for their actions. I've had so many drunk people at parties who know I'm a Christian keep apologizing for being drunk and a horrible person even though I'm standing there with a drink and never once said a word about them. Our very presence can leave people feeling guilty, not because of anything we've done, but because they already feel guilty and they project their own feelings of guilt onto us, believing that we're judging them because deep down, they're judging themselves. And the more Christ-like we seek to be, Even when we show incredible grace and forgiveness towards others, that feeling of guilt in others amplifies. So just by being in the room, some people are resenting us, hating us, because of what we stand for. Not because of anything we've necessarily done, but because of their own heart. And believe me, that does not leave you feeling warm and fuzzy. It's easy to want to cave to the pressure and try to fit in. 
Certainly some things we do for Jesus can leave us with that familiar feeling of having done the right thing, giving to others, taking care of the needs of others, being generous. Those things will leave us warm inside. But are we doing them for our own sake? Or are we doing them for God's sake? Are we doing them to receive the accolades of people or the praise of God? So often those feelings of warm and fuzzy come because we know others see us doing good. And God knows that. He knows our pride can turn something good and loving into a way to build ourselves up. We can call our actions Christ-like, but our reasons for doing them are so others will praise us, like us, approve of us. To that, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1-4 through in the World English Bible, Be careful that you don't do your charitable giving before men, or to be seen by them, or else you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when you do merciful deeds, don't sound a trumpet before yourself as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may get glory from men. Most certainly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you do merciful deeds, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does, so that your merciful deeds may be in secret. Then your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Man, even when we're doing good and serving God, we're not supposed to do it for the praise of others. Well, we can, but we won't receive a reward in heaven for it, because we'll already have received our reward here. Rather, if we're seeking God's approval, then when we give, we should do so with as much secrecy as possible. Do everything we can to hide from others what we're doing. And so I ask again, what's the point of seeking God's approval? We don't get anything on earth out of it. But the clue is in Matthew chapter 6, which we just read. Jesus implies those who do good for others out of a desire to honor God have a reward in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear Jesus say reward, I'm certain whatever it is, is going to be something pretty special, something well worth seeking. And even if that reward is only God's approval, how amazing is that? Just think about it, one day kneeling before God and he approves of us because we sought to honor him. We sought to honor him even when others hated us. We sought to honor him even when we personally gained nothing from it. When we even had to give things up. When we had to give up our pride, our reputation. So often that is something distant, meeting God. So it's not something we think about. If we've come near to dying in this world, then it's probably something we have thought more about, but for many of us who haven't yet faced death, we so often fall into the trap of seeing only the here and now. People are in front of us. We see them. We can poke them. Though that's a good way to get some people to dislike us. But it's easy to seek the approval of those in front of us because we get an instant reward for it. But to work for a reward that we don't know what is and we won't get until we're with our Father in heaven, that's much harder. But the thing is, 
It ensures that we're doing it for the right reason. We're doing it because we truly seek to bring God glory. We truly seek His approval, not just for our own satisfaction and the warm fuzzies we might get. Not knowing what the reward is keeps us from being motivated by greed. Paul and Barnabas got very little reward for what they did. Indeed, Paul was stoned nearly to death, or did die and was raised from the dead. We don't know for sure. But what we do know is the people who had stoned him thought he was dead. The amazing thing, though? Later, Paul and Barnabas head back into those very cities, though probably in secret and just meeting with those who had put their faith in Jesus. But regardless, they took their lives in their hands by going back, and they did so to build up the believers there. They encouraged them that even in the face of persecution, still honor God. They gained nothing personally from going back, but rather they risked everything. But they did so for the sake of others. They did so because they knew they were following the Holy Spirit, and because of that, they were honoring God. Years later, Paul sent a letter to the churches in Galatia, of which these churches were, and said in Galatians 1, that if he was seeking human approval, he certainly wouldn't be preaching about what he was preaching. Everything he told them, everything he went through, he went through for the sake of God and God alone. And so my challenge this week is this. Are we seeking the approval of our friends, our co-workers, fellow students, family? Or are we seeking the approval of God? I can promise you that whatever reward in heaven we receive when we seek God's approval, when we follow his commands out of a desire to follow his commands, not out of a desire to be praised by people, that whatever reward that is, it will be well worth the wait. It will be greater than any reward we could ever receive on earth. And what are we willing to give up to receive that reward in heaven? Are we willing to be to give up being liked by others? Are we willing to give up our possessions, our pride, our sin? I promise you, when we stand before God, we will all wish we had given up more for God's sake, for the sake of his kingdom. No one will be before God saying, man, I wish I'd bought that sports car instead of donating the money to the needy. I wish I'd bought that second house instead of moving to a war-torn country as a missionary. I wish I'd bought that subscription to Netflix instead of donating to anti-trafficking organizations. No one will be saying that. When we face God, nothing we've given up for the sake of his kingdom will we consider a waste. So let's not be the ones who get to heaven full of regrets over wasting the resources and time that God has blessed us with. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.